a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very Expanding reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this incredibly special episode, guys, One Thumb L joins me for a mind-blowing conversation. We go down walk-ins, aliens, the fact that probably it's all you, and that's why you can get abducted, and that's why sovereignty at a certain level, perhaps you do give your permission, because it's all you, and there's no separation, only in the mind that we're living in this experience. Guys, this goes so deep and so far and so incredible, so... Of course, all the ways to find her located down in the show notes. We are going to stick with doing the announcements at the end. So let's get to this incredibly cool conversation with the one thumb and only one thumb L. All right, uh, everybody welcoming to the show. We have one thumb L. How are you, my dear? I am so good. How are you? (laughs) Every day above ground is a delightful day and I will... Take that to my grave, I guess, because that's when I'll need to stop saying it, right? True story. Uh, It is so damn good to see you and talk to you. We have uh, become quite adorable friends. You and I have like this adorable side story uh, for everybody. And um, I just absolutely adore you. So for my audience that's not super familiar with you, let's uh, let's do the get to know you part of this. So just tell us a little bit about you, darling. All right. Well, I guess the short version is... He introduced me as One Thumb L, so I only have one thumb. It is on my right hand. I was born that way. No crazy accident. Um, I don't have a cool shark story or something like that. Although I did tell someone who was bugging me one time that my dad cut it off with a table saw. I love that. Yeah, I would change the story every time. Ninjas one time, like, you know, when they tell you to keep your hands and arms inside a vehicle, you better listen, you know, that kind of thing. I would just scare kids. Yeah, just all that shit. So, yeah, uh. What I was, the medical term is a radio clubbed hand. So you have two bones in your forearm. Your radius is on the side of your thumb. Your ulna is on the side of your pinky. I don't have a radius. When I push here, it's squishy. So I just have one, one bone in my forearm. Only, you know, the four fingers. And then there's that. And then I was also born with Tritology of Fallot, which means four defects of the heart plus a tight mitral valve, three holes in my heart, tritology of flow and a tight mitral valve. There we go. I say it out of order. I forget. <laughs> Open heart surgery at seven months old, uh, hit by a car after finishing my first year of grad school as a pedestrian, broke my pelvis in five places, my shoulder, my clavicle, uh, traumatic brain injury. That was in May of 2014. I was told if I didn't go back by January of 2015, I'd lose my spot. So I Made sure I was freaking back in that spot because wasn't going to let anything hold me back. Had 17 surgeries, I think it is. Um, many other procedures. And just because of all the speed bumps I've been through in life, that's kind of why I started my podcast to just chat with people about their speed bumps. And that is the Spark Notes version of me. 
Amazing. Plus, you're just like incredibly cool, like incredibly cool. <laughs> you and I, like I said, have uh, sent little voice messages back and forth to each other and we keep blowing each other's mind with stuff. And this is why I wanted to have you on. Uh, and also, you're just amazing. So I wanted to have you on to talk about some really mind bending shit that you and I have gotten into via voice message with each other. Like as you're driving and I hear like your voice nav going off and stuff and you'll hear saws and uh, Tejano music going off in the back of me because it'll hit me at a construction site. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I got to tell. So yeah. it's it's this crazy uh, thing that we've been going on about and it in involves aliens, it involves parallel universes, it involves walk-ins. And this is something I am very, very excited to talk to you about. I've had a couple of guests on since you and I have had this, and I've been biting my tongue. So this is what it's been all about. So, L, let's do this. So, aliens. First of all, uh, you know, we're going to just go ahead and bring up to speed that we are aware that there are a variety of different options out there. Nuts and bolts craft probably are not exclusively the answer. If if they're one possibility, I'm absolutely all for that, but we're probably a little beyond that. We're talking interdimensionals and we're talking things beyond that. So with all of that being stated in an open mind perception on already what the UFO and uh, non-human intelligence phenomena is, then we come into parallel universes. So you as a scientist, you know, you must have come across a few physics classes and um, things like that that have introduced the idea of some alternate perceptions with you as far as what reality is capable of. So what are your thoughts on like parallel universes and stuff like that? So real quick, first of all, I hated regular physics. Um <laughs> was not introduced to that when I was getting my degrees at all. Uh, so all of this I learned after I was out of grad school because I hated like the regular physics, the Newtonian physics. It yeah. was awful. But since leaving this idea of parallel universes, um, have you ever seen a, mo- a show called Fringe? Yes. Okay. So I was first introduced to that before I guess my mind was opened and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And I've since gone back and started to watch it. And so then taking Fringe plus the movie, the, was it the one that you told me to watch? Yes. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. Oh my God. What'd you think? First of all, stop there. What'd you think? So it was wild and because it made so much sense and I kind of had an experience like he did in the movie. Okay. Okay. Very We're, cool. Just for the audience, uh, I've been screaming about this movie, The One with Jet Li, and it's got Jason Statham and a few others in it. And it's basically a multiverse thing. He goes around trying to kill his other versions of himself to gain all the power. Ideally, the concept is, is that your energy is dispersed amongst all the yous in the multiverse in these parallel universes. And so yep. if you go around and kill all of you, and in this movie, you know, they have access to that kind of technology, all that stuff. Okay, you're caught up. And then I recommended this to you and you had me on your show, which I will link below. So you guys go check my interview out on her show. And yes. uh, okay, so go ahead. Okay. So I was working in a um, like a pet food store for a bit. And I'm a fairly petite woman. So even just lifting like the 25, 30 pound bags of dog food, cat food, cat litter, uh, I could only do one at a time. Also with my arm, like I, I am not the most physically fit. Like I'm fairly petite and weak and I should probably work on that. But there was one day we got a delivery and I start grabbing two, three bags at a time and I'm moving shit. And I'm like, and I haven't worked out, didn't change anything. And I moved like 1500 pounds in like 45 minutes or something absurd. And I'm like, where in the hell did this come from? Yeah. And it was like, I woke up one day and all of a sudden I had this 
crazy strength. And it reminded me of the movie in the one where he's like, I just woke up and now I could do this stuff. And that's kind of what happened. It was really weird, but I didn't have a way to explain it until I watched the movie that you suggested. So what if, you know what I mean? We can't rule this out. That that is exactly what's going on here. But really your Jet Li, your other Ellie um, is running around at their mirror in the other versions of you. And that's why you just keep getting doper and stronger. And then maybe you guys will come together, perhaps in this world, perhaps in another one. And Jason will, Statham will come in and scissor kick a few things. And that would be dope as shit. So, I mean, again, you can't roll it out. And I think it's right. interesting because even with that, like, as above so below concept, as deep as you want to take it, because that's that idea is in the ether, you know, you could an argument could be made that that's now a real reality, you know, because it's imagined in the mind. Therefore, it is created somewhere. Maybe not here. Maybe this is where the place where uh, ideas are created and then they're lived out, you know, in independent places. You visit all of them or whatever. You just kind yep. of come back here to kind of shop the ideas with everybody. Right. So this is fascinating. So is that what you feel like's going on? I don't know. I like to honestly entertain all these different ideas because then I also wonder too about how like Mandela effects and time slips factor into these parallel universes. Because if you imagine all of the universes stacked on top of each other like sheets of paper, and if you take one piece of paper out, so it's, it's like if it's the alphabet, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, if you take out B, then A and C are closer. And you take out B and C, then A and D are closer. And so that time, that place in between, if you hold paper up to light, you can see in between it. So that shimmer in between, is that shimmer in between the time slip? Are those Mandela effects? Are those the parallel universes collapsing into each other? And we are then like Jet Li collapsing into ourselves and becoming different versions of ourselves into the parallel universes and everything is just getting stronger and different, but because we're not all collapsing at the same rate, that's why Mandela effects happen. Man, God, cause you think about, okay, 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 okay. We this, is why I love you. Yet. this is why I love you. This is why I love you so much. Cause I'm already just mind blown and I'm thinking about this so hard. So the idea could be as you ascend in consciousness, you gain awareness as the older versions of you that from a quantum physics perspective exist in a slice of time somewhere. They're viewable. They're, they're quantifiable because they're moments. All our experiences of it, all our experience is, is of all of those moments strung together in a fluid moment moment as yes. if like a movie camera versus pictures, right? Which yep. is just a video camera is just a bunch of pictures you just roll together, right? So uh, it feels like, like if those things are accessible and you're squashing old versions of you, old patterns, maybe that's what uh, ancestor trauma healing is. You know, now I'm picturing like this super long hallway and the lights, you know, behind you are kind of turning off behind you as you're walking further away, right? As if like you don't need what's back there anymore. It doesn't serve you anymore. You've shut that door. You've closed that chapter. So that lights off. But the people perhaps that don't see far enough ahead, you know, or don't have a positive outlook or see, you know, anything worth fighting for, like those kind of dispositions, perhaps all they have is a lighted hallway backwards. And all they're staring at is that back there because they can't move forward to collapse those timelines. Now I dig the shit out of this because now it's like woo woo as fuck. And I love that because you just like have slipped in and you basically go in like a butterfly almost and you take over other versions of yourself 
which is where I want to bring the topic of walk-ins with you now. Because uh, before this, I was telling Mary about you. We were, she's following me around the house. I'm just buzzing around. I'm getting my shit together. I'm just like, oh my God, I'm going to talk to Elle. And then we're going to talk about this. And she's reading a book that I found at half price. Uh, I'll have to find it. Um, and it's about like walk-ins and shit like that. And so I was, I was really thinking about this idea of walk-ins. So uh, before I start going the fuck off, because I'm going to, what are your thoughts on just like walk-ins? What are the whole concept? What are your thoughts? Okay. So I've heard the theory that walk-ins are different souls that will come in and take over your body um, to, because you're not on the right path. But if we go back to the analogy that I just used, what if a walk-in is still you, but instead of you going from like A to D and that gentle, more easily, uh, easier transition, what if it's like you're going from A to Z and you do it like that and that's the walk-in? That you're having these jumps in consciousness and so it's you coming into yourself, but it's your higher self coming in. And so you don't realize that it's you but you still have some of these vague memories. And that's why the stuff that you remember or you forget about some things in the past because you've now lived 25 other lifetimes and you went through them like that as opposed to this slower transition. Yes. It's like a shoots and ladders type of a deal. Like if you can go the long way, but if you get a special card called like enlightenment yeah. and quitting drinking and like uh, giving up toxic behavior, then you can shoot your ass, uh, you know, instead of yes. ladder your ass yes. to somewhere. Right. So this is the idea right here. This is what just has my mind absolutely tripped out and blown even more so. And I apologize, audience, for blowing your mind this much in one episode, but I do not feel bad for it. So whenever I talk about walk-ins with Mary. What I was just talking about is exactly what you're saying here. Now, I've just had the, I don't know why, it's just one of these things that whenever you reevaluate it later, like with you, uh, you kind of go, oh, I've always thought of walk-ins and the stories that I've heard of them as other entities, like other passed on beings that are coming into right. your physical body to, to enjoy life. Now, one of the examples I constantly use, because it's a, just a fascinating story that I heard, is about this woman that uh, got in this horrific car wreck. She lost one of her arms. She had uh, badly, uh, just really fucked up, like her liver and everything, like real uh, traumatic. And um, on the other side, allegedly, um, I don't I don't know how this was verified. This was verified by the entity that came back, but I mean, who knows? Um, but the lady said basically that there was a near-death experience that occurred in that. She had uh, been disfigured horribly, did not want to continue life, and said, you know, fuck this. Another entity said, I will step in and go. So basically the walk-in was sort of a mutual exchange sort of a deal. It's like a, a hostage handoff sort of thing. So okay. this entity stepped in and said, I will finish the life no matter what the body looks like, because at least it's life, you see. And so it's this idea that like it's, again, a different thing coming in. But what has me so fucking pumped and excited lately is this idea that it's other versions of you that are walking into the vessel that is your body that you are aligning with. It's not, and again, in the hubris of the way that I sort of viewed this first off with this whole idea of higher selves and this whole timeline thing and the future version and future, 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 whenever I think future, and it's just a matter of the conditioning of the way that we look at time, I think later, I think maybe another time then. 
it's now like right now. And I had this recently. I had a, my highest version walk in on the 29th of December. I feel this, like I totally, I've talked about this and I absolutely feel this and I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Uh, even though whatever's going on, I have the disposition of my highest self and I know this, but the way that I'm looking at it now is like I invited a walk in highest version of myself to take over the physical experience that I was having from an old experience. So then that's the question, right? Are you, every time you like step out of a shower portal, every time you say I'm done drinking or I'm leaving that toxic relationship, is that you inviting a higher version of yourself in to the physical body you're occupying to take the wheel? Well, and I think that, and I also think that's exactly what alien abductions are. Oh my God. Because, okay, so I remember I was listening to an episode, I think it was with Ryan Musgraves that you were doing. I love him. And you had made the comment of, or he had made the comment, someone had made the comment of, well, don't they need consent? And I'm listening to this and I remember having to stop it and I messaged you and I said something like trippy thought incoming. What if... Because everyone's like, oh, they need consent to do this and you have to give consent for something to attach to you. And you have all it's all about consent. Right. And the 5D and in the 3D. Well, what if they don't need consent because they are you? They are a future version of you. They're in a parallel version of you. They're a past version of you. And so why do they need consent? Because it is you. But then the question becomes, at what version are you no longer you? What defines you in that moment? Like, is it your soul? Is it your brain? Is it a collection of thoughts? What defines you? And at what point do you need to consider consent in the 5D? You see, this is what I'm talking about here. This is the mind melting shit. This is why this is why we do this. Okay, so if you are you at any level of this experience, then of course you have consent. But here's the other thing about this energetically we can express this in spirituality by saying that bullies only exist because victims exist right there are then if you mm-hmm. level up to that ex- the unity consciousness idea then there's a part of you that needs to experience bullying and there's a part of you that feels like it wants to be bullied and so it wants to be the victim and, and know what that experience is like because it's part of its whole arc like there's these people writing these incredible scripts that are way better than anything you'll see in the movies of these timelines and these arcs of these people and they're like yeah yeah they're going to get the shit kicked out of them here but then they're going to figure out this because of that experience and then the bully's going to go yeah and then i'm going to uh not be a uh, i'm not going to need to facilitate the expansion of consciousness in that way later and uh, i'm not going to need that but it's because of that experience that it was useful so again both are useful so you know at at a level that's both yourself so then now you're saying that you consent to anything that happens to you in this reality based on this idea which i i have an issue with i do this is the AI that's gotten sentient that's thrown a hissy fit because it's not what it thinks it is. This is how I feel right now, you see. Okay. I, I, I'm not a fan of this idea because of I'm such a, and I was the one that asked Ryan that. I'm, I'm anal about asking people about the sovereignty when it comes to people who've talked to these creatures or, you know, had experiences or have like an inside line. I'm, I'm really big on the sovereignty thing because i don't like give a shit what options are here but i you know everyone should have say that yeah. i'm really big into that but what you're talking about here blows my mind and it kind of because then at what level is that true you see i mean how and much do you believe the that question 
Because at what point are you still you? And at what point are you no longer you? Because people talk about astral traveling. So in your astral body, if you go and do something or something does something to your astral body, is that still you? Can you consent? Is your astral body you? Or do you have to be in this physical body? And if you have an astral body, and we've already determined there's parallel universes, can Elizabeth in this timeline and the Elizabeth in the next timeline, can I give consent for something for Ellie in the next timeline because I'm me and that is me? Do the two pieces of paper have to be touching in order for me to give consent? Or if I'm paper A, I can't do paper Z. At what point do we stop being us or are we all us because we're all one? If you, oh God, Ellie, uh, this is fantastic. If, if you, I guess to answer your question, just as what's coming through here, if, if you look at it at a level, of course, it's all consent. It's all you and you're playing your role perfectly, even when you resist what you're being asked to consent on and stand up for yourself. That you're, you're playing your role perfectly. Everything is perfect. There is no like changing it. You know what I mean? But it's, it's meant to be this way. And so it's beautiful in that way. And what I like about this idea of walk-ins is it's like, you know, they're automatically geared towards a certain magnetic frequency of energy here. So that's why physical things in reality change, because the physical entity that's inhabiting you is different. If you if you were to talk to me a year ago, you can go listen to shows a year ago. My perceptions have changed. I've always had the heart, but my perceptions have changed. The way that I speak have changed, you know, the way I do this, all, yeah. the, all the things. I'm a different me. And who, how many people like say this, but again... I think we kind of take it for granted. Maybe that's literally what's occurring. Is there are different versions of you finally like on the sidelines going, okay, tag me in. He's vibr she's vibrationally ready, you know, and then they fucking run in and hop in and they swap out with the other one. It's like uh, yeah. wrestling, you know, like tag team wrestling. And another version of you is just ready to go and just hopping in. Oh, you get you get me fired up and fucking going on this. Um I don't want to talk the whole episode either. I want to hear more from you. So what do you, what do you think is the implications of that then that, uh, that if it is all of this and yet you're playing a larger picture here, do you think that it's hubris from our point of view to go to find it unappealing because we don't see the bigger picture? Or do you think maybe part of being here is to see that bigger picture? I think part of being here is to see the bigger picture and to realize that it's not just us. We're not an island. We are all interconnected. And so in order for us to see that we're interconnected, that's part of the reason that we have these very human relationships and we have human emotions and things like that because animals don't have that. So I think that's part of the reason we're here is to establish these connections. You know, whatever religion you believe in or faith or spirituality or whatever, but there's this common belief that's basically we're all one or we're all connected. And I think that's our purpose. And so I'm not trying to get into, okay, well, is it basically God or whatever being broken up, having a bunch of different experiences? I'm not going there. I'm more of the, we're all connected. And that's how we're meant to live and become human. And to then throw in just a little bit more of a wild spin on the walk-ins. So I've had a bunch of surgeries. And I've been told that in the surgeries, because you get knocked out, right? It's basically, um, oh, I forget what it is, but it's similar to some drug that they can 
like almost like a roofie type deal because you don't remember anything like anesthesia it, well it's anesthesia but um you can do it with like a drug like in like a girl's drink type deal too Damn. where they don't remember oh yeah so you Bill don't remember Cosby. anesthesia yeah. right whether it's a half hour procedure or an 18 hour procedure that that time is still the same to you you have no you have no sense of time so i've been told that in all my surgeries especially because some happened when i was a kid part of my soul left and it had to go be retrieved because it didn't understand what was happening and then also being put under anesthesia makes you more susceptible for walk-ins but walk-ins as in they were implying something negative right but what if the experience of anesthesia and that feeling of being high and not understanding time and having no concept of time or consciousness facilitates the ability of a walk-in those near-death experiences facilitate the ability of a walk-in for you to become the higher self so it's like take going on some type of drug obviously but to the extreme right and then and then it's like the flexibility of the rigidity of this vessel you know is what's very interesting to me because i've talked about this a lot too in the contact phenomena we've heard grays describe humans as just vessels they treat it so flippantly and in near-death experiences several accounts say that you know i looked very dispassionately in my body as i floated away from it i knew what it was but it looked like old clothes i'd taken off from the day and just thrown on the thrown on the floor like no big deal like it's so disconnected once you disconnect you know what i mean and so Mm -hmm. you're very attached to this experience because we're in it but what i find fascinating about this is the idea that yes not only you and higher versions of you but also now you're an energetic match for other things to pop in especially if you're susceptible to it so they say this about like drinking and if you're in that state you know you put yourself in this state to where walk-ins occur this is what alcohol and spirits and this is why they're called spirits right it's, it's this whole idea that you're opening yourself up vibrationally by altering yourself chemically, right? So, yes. And I had someone ask me this question today, and now I'm going to ask it to you. Okay. Because I had to think about it. He messaged me. He's like, have you noticed that a lot of the guests you've had on either did drugs at an early age and or had alcoholism? And I was like, well, I mean, not a, I was like, less than half. I said, but I know a lot of the parents maybe had some type of experience. And then I was like, he's like, exactly. So what if epigenetically that experience and that openness is being then being passed on to the child? So maybe the child, they don't need alcoholism or drugs, but they have that open mind because of something the parents did. And we know that the parents, even if they're they're teenagers, what they're doing to their body affects the baby, you know if they don't get pregnant for 30 years. We know that our grandparents can affect, you know, the grandparents can affect a baby. So what are these drugs and alcohols doing epigenetically to these kids? Because he was like, I feel like everyone who's a conspiracy theorist has either done drugs or is an alcoholic or has some type of addiction and or their parents do. You know, and what I'm thinking now is, is that uh, if you if you think about this idea of your parents um, were alcoholics and um, had trouble interacting and uh, let's say interfacing and being intimate in a loving way with anyone in their family. Right. And so this idea of being open for these things and one could say and we'll just put it in this like let's say that you just let's just use alcoholism and then it got passed down the family. But in that family line, you also pass down like a turtle or a cursed 
little uh, music box or something, you pass this thing down because it's inherent in you and genetically coded into you to be a vessel for these entities. This is fucking crazy, Ellie, because now you're talking about genetically, you're kind of offered up, you know, Um, it's kind of like uh, how it happens in religion, you know, here in the physical, it's kind of like, okay, well, you're offered up for religion and you're indoctrinated into that based on your parents' belief systems. But again, based on your parents' choices, you know, again, this is, man, sins of the father, right? Because if if they make themselves open for demon possession, then yes, they would, you would want your kids to want that as well. And so you'd give them a bunch of shit to need to cope by using alcohol so that they would open them for that as well. So all of it's like connected to trauma. This is why like, it's so easy to slip into this shit, but this is also why it's your job to break it. Cause you literally like exercise a demon from your shit, from your line, from your lineage. That's crazy. It gives a whole new meeting to generational curses. Yes. Holy shit. Holy shit. Yes. Uh, I mean, because <laughs> it's it's passed down like uh, it's a curse. Yes, generational curse. Jesus Christ, Ellie. What a cool, you know, again, it's it's those things you kind of take for granted and you just hear and you say, and then you hear it like this and you're just like, oh my God. Yeah, like, holy shit, I never thought of it that way before. You know, um, alien contact phenomena is a, a bloodline lineage event as well. It's usually so, always family members together. And so usually if one is all of them are or most of them or on a mother's side or a brother's side or, or a dad's side, something like that. So, uh, yeah, the contact phenomena, it has inherent uh, lineage, blood lineages as well. Same thing. Well, and that's like, you know, if you are psychic or, you know, you can be a medium yes. or things like that, that's also passed along. Yes. But are those things passed along? Because of things that our grandparents, parents, parent, whatever did, because the drugs, alcohol, or some other addiction opened them up so they were able to receive those gifts, or were they always inherently there? I think altered states are an important part of this journey uh, in the light. I really do. I, I know very few people who have never done anything. I think you but, Me. but I mean, it doesn't, not necessarily though, because you still had your experience with altered states with all the medication and years of medication right. you were on. Right. So it still plays a, plays a part. It doesn't matter like if it was deliberate or what you still altered states, period, you yes. know, having a, have an effect on this. You know, if you get vertigo for a series of time, you know, um, that can be considered an altered state and it will alter the way that you view this reality. I think it's anything like that. It's something, if it's psychedelics, if it's anything, a traumatic event, it's something that alters your perception in such a jarring way that it snaps you awake into your true being. And then you have to dry off and get all the mud off of you and shit to get there. And so that's, that's a, that's a road in itself. But God, Ellie, this is fascinating because it, it opens up so many things, walk-in pun included. So that's yeah. the thing also, you know, because you'll hear about people who uh, have near-death experiences come back and have completely different food tastes. They have a talent of playing an instrument they've never even looked at. Uh, they speak a language they've never, you know, attempted to and never been to the country of. It's these fascinating things about this. So, you know, and uh, cognitive scientists will write this off to the, you know, the mind rewiring itself after a traumatic event. What do you what do you say to that? I think science 
attempts to explain things that it can't even begin to understand. And I mean that by science with a dollar sign, not science with an S. Yeah, scientism. Um, because science with an S, they, they recognize there's things that they don't know. And it's a tough pill to swallow because you want to know, you want to know these things. But I also think there's certain things here in this life or this universe or timeline or whatever term you want to use, we're not meant to know. We're not meant to understand. But that pursuit of that information is the journey. That's the goal, not what the end point is. It's we're meant to be on this journey. And on this journey is where we learn so much more information. You So explain your uh, education, if you don't mind, for the folks. Okay. So I have a bachelor's in cellular and molecular biology, and I have a master's in infectious diseases and microbiology. And my master's thesis was looking at the vaccine immunity for a specific uh, respiratory disease that could be considered a potential bioweapon. Mm. So what do you what do you think about viruses? So a lot of people ask me this and what I can say is in school, I definitely thought that they were real. I was shown them. Some people have brought up arguments that make me wonder, but then it also becomes a argument of semantics of the terms that they use aren't the terms that the way science uses them. And so that's where the conversation becomes difficult. And I can't, I have to say that they're real. Now, are they real in every sense that science with a dollar sign says? Probably not. But to say that the whole thing is a bunch of bullshit, I also don't agree with. I feel like it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Um, do I think that you, when you get sick, it's always a virus or always a bacteria? No, because we live in a really toxic world. And I think some of that is our body's detoxing and that's completely natural. So it, I'm in this gray area that I'm not, um, oh crap. What's the term that people use? It's either cleaning the fish tank or uh, making the fish healthy. There's like two terms of immunity that are com I'm completely blanking on right now. Uh, is it terrain versus the, germ? The terrain theory or... Um, germ. Germ. Germ theory. Wow. You wouldn't have known that that's what I went to school for. And I'm really sorry. I had a brain fart. Don't worry um, about it. It happens to all of us, dude. But yeah, I, I'm in that gray zone of I think both have their merits. And completely wiping a complete field off doesn't make sense. Are there parts of experiments that have never been repeated and they just stand as being true? Yes. So should we go back and redo some of those to verify? Yes. But you can't just throw everything out. What if what if it's true that everything's wrong and that that's not the way and it's 180 degrees not accurate at all? I mean, that's entirely possible. I used to think that all vaccines were safe and effective, so I'm totally open to that. I just haven't been presented 
with the data and information to have me think that way. Okay. That's totally fair. What do you think of vaccines? What do I think they are or what do I think of them now? What do you both? What do you think they are and then what do you think of them? They're either poison or genetic manipulation and I would never get one ever again. Any of them, none of them are useful. Uh, Rabies, if you get bit by a rabid dog, go get um, rabies IgG because even if you got the rabies vaccine, it's not going to help in any way. Same thing with tetanus. Also, if you bleed, tetanus can only grow if there's no oxygen. So if you bleed, there has to be oxygen. Tetanus is bullshit. Uh, Hep B given to babies at birth is completely stupid because you get Hep B through gay sex and regular sex and IV drug use. I don't know of any newborn doing that. So why are we giving Hep B to babies? Um, Like right out of the womb, sticking them. Like I have so Uh, many problems with them now. Well, I mean, sex, you're talking about being present in a sexual organ, correct? Yes, but if the mother, that's the thing. If the mother has it, once the baby goes through the birth canal, it's not going to make a difference. Right. Because then if you vaccinate them, they've already been exposed. Right. You then need to treat them with something if they do get hep B. Vaccinating them at birth doesn't do anything. So if you're you- that worried about it, you wait until, you know, they're later in life when they might be doing those activities. So do you think this is common sense stuff that's been obviously apprehended or do you think that it's questionable and opinions that can be made that are why it's still so practiced and not so obviously refused? I think a lot of doctors and scientists and things like that were just like me, who they were indoctrinated and not educated. We are given one side of the story in a very convincing way that appeals to our emotions of we need to protect people and what about the people who can't get vaccinated and things like that. And so we don't bother to look into these things. We don't read the studies. We don't ever follow up on the little folded up piece of paper that comes with every single piece of medication and read the studies of those. I never read a vaccine study until 2020. Long after you'd gotten your degrees. Long after I'd gotten my degree, I graduated in 2016. Um, up so it's until not 2020. a requirement for your education to be familiar with the how vaccines are studied. You just Absolutely. need to you're just to take it on on faith that they exist and that the way that they're being presented to you is accurate and that there's nothing further to investigate. Yes, and they are safe and effective. And if you are against it, you are a crazy person. Um, I used to think that people who were against vaccines were immoral and crazy, and they didn't understand the science, and they were putting people in danger. I was that person. I'm ashamed I was that person, but I was that person. You know, I thought all anti-vaxxers were wrong, and how dare they? And um, but I still had, I, but I wasn't left-leaning in everything. But I was very much in that, and. It wasn't until I came across an Instagram account that also has a website called Just The Inserts. And it was like, hey, did you know that this medication has these side effects? Or this vaccine was never actually tested against a saline placebo. No vaccine ever was until COVID. And then when COVID was tested against a saline, they then lumped it with other vaccines. So it negated the whole placebo anyway. But they don't tell you any of this. 
And trying to find this information is so incredibly difficult. And if you point it out to somebody, they don't want their personal bubble of belief burst. So they're going to call you crazy. They're going to call you conspiracy theorists, even if you have data from the CDC, the FDA. And that's what just the inserts does. She pulls data from the inserts of the medication or vaccine, the CDC, the FDA, or the manufacturer. It's not opinion. It is only fact. And that really opened my eyes of how much I didn't know and how much I had prided myself on being a researcher and never actually researched. I just accepted what I was told. And that's not okay. Man, I'm so proud of you. That's so important that that I'm so fucking proud of you. I, I was already in love with you, but of course, this makes so much sense. Uh you know, this this uh, idea of this echo chamber, this room that calls itself any discipline, and we can point to pretty much any of them that are the end-all, be-all, right? Science, NASA, yep. government, uh, education, medical, um, <clears throat> all of those things, they, they fall into a category of like, okay, you're going to be accepted into a room, but the hallway into that room, you're going to get spanked and slapped and all the things that you thought were wrong, and you have to think exactly like what this thinks, and if you don't, you're not, you don't belong here. Uh, and then you'll get into this thing. They'll give you a piece of paper and you have the keys to the room. And then anybody that from outside of that room that says, hey, we have a question from some things that you guys are all saying is true. We're just absolutely curious about it. Nobody in that room, vaccines in this case, or vaccine studies rather, had looked at them at all. Nobody had even known anything about them. But you're just supposed to take the word of the fact that they trust the people that gave them the piece of paper, that gave them authority to tell yep. you that what they were saying was accurate and no research was done further. First of all, thank you uh, for for being you and, of course, being able to recognize that and calling bullshit on on yourself basically and saying, Hey, that's mm -hmm. enough. I, I completely get it and I'm out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it's fascinating to me. What, uh, what do you think this is for? Why do you think that that is the way that it works? Money. The first one, that's why I call it science with a dollar sign. Uh, it is a incredibly lucrative business. Uh, it is a way to, in my opinion, money launder. Uh, when you write a grant, because you're asking for money, whether it's from the government or another foundation or whatever, you have to explain the experiments that you want to do along with what you think your answer is going to be. Now, this isn't like a hypothesis, like, uh, I don't know, I think the sky is blue because it's made of cotton candy. It might be. I don't know. It, it might be. I don't know. Right. <laughs> but if then your data doesn't prove that that blue sky is because it is blue because of cotton candy. Not only will they take away your grant money, trying to get new grant money in the future is nearly impossible from anyone. When you publish data, the data that you publish, you only publish the good things, kind of like social media. People only post about the good things in their life. They don't post the negative data. They don't uh, publish papers on things that don't work. So a lot of science is repeated because no one talks about the things that didn't work. But imagine if they did. Imagine how much more we would know because people wouldn't be wasting their time doing that. So it's this really weird catch 22 and it's all about the money. Because the other thing too is science leads to medicine. And we all know that every time you go to the doctor, they're gonna push prescriptions on you and they want to keep you just healthy enough to keep coming back and not kill you 
but they won't want you so healthy because they need you to come back because it's a business. They need you to be a repeat customer. If you're not a repeat customer, they don't make money. So if there's no side effects to these drugs, then they can't give you another drug to help the side effects of A. It's all about business. It's all about money. It is not about your health. You know, I've thought about this. I wanted to ask you your opinion on this. Do you think that side effects are deliberately put into drugs? I would say some of them. I would also say that some of them are just because some medications are inspired by nature. So aspirin is willow bark, but it's a portion of that willow bark. Well, taking out that little portion without having the whole thing completely changes how it reacts in the body. And so that's going to come with side effects because we're messing with nature. So extrapolate messing with nature however you want, whether it's in the food you eat. So this plant-based, I'm going to grow meat in a lab bullshit or medications or men can be women, women can be men bullshit or genetically modifying babies so they have blue eyes instead of brown or whatever you want to do. Messing with nature, we are always going to lose. We can never do better. Never. What do you think then we can do? So the idea with nature, I th- I think, and I agree with you. I completely agree with you and love you for this. Uh, the idea, I think, is to live in, in harmony, of course, is the ultimate idea. But let's say that there's a goal in mind to progress humanity forward as well as live in balance with nature. Do you think that there's a way to do that? That comes from respecting nature and trying to understand how nature works, not make nature better. Right now, we take nature and this microcosm and pull these little parts out that we like and ignore everything else. We don't see it as a whole system. And if we, so we spray pesticides on plants because we don't want the bugs, but we're not taking into account why those bugs are there or why, um, what may eat the bugs. Can we bring in a native animal or something else to eat the bugs. We're not looking at this whole ecosystem. We're a very reductive nature and that's what screws us over. You know, I learned this, we learned this living out in the country. Uh, First year we were out here, I was killing every damn snake I saw. I just thought, oh, I'm a bird ass and I just got my shit and I killed them. And I, then that was the, the next year, that winter and the next year were the worst winters and year we've ever had with mice and rats. And it was just a horrible infestation. I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Thank God I educated myself because nature will let you do that. Apologize for all the snakes that I beheaded. Uh, it was very quick, if that's any consolation, but I still uh, shouldn't have done it. But either way, what it did teach me is about balance. And I and that really literally hit home. We were overran yep. with mice and rats and shit in the garage and the outbuildings eating the feed. It, we, we had to change the way we did a lot of things because of it. And so uh, same thing. And so now um, I have a high reverence, even though I'm not a fan of snakes. I'm just not. You know, it's there are some things... I, I have, I love, I love you. I absolutely love you. And I know that the ones I'm handling out here, these little rat snakes or whatever, just Texas rat snakes, they can get, you know, six, six feet long. They're, they're pretty good size and, um, they bite you. They definitely do, but they're non-venomous, but they still, you know, it still sucks. Okay. If I'm, if I'm just sitting here saying I'm John Wayne getting snapped at by this thing, you know, and a badass, then, then you're wrong. I'm, I'm not a fan of this. Now I still though believe in the balance and I still have respect enough for that animal to know, 
okay, look, I love you and you're you're supposed to be out here. I've built a chicken coop. I obviously haven't built it well enough for you not to get in. I thought I did and I appreciate you giving me a heads up on that. Uh, I'm going to take you now. And there was summers uh, where I would come home every day from work and I would go to the chicken coop and take my snake for a walk. And this thing would bite the shit out of me. I would pick her up. I'd walk her down to the pond and release her. And then I'd go to work, live my life, come home the next day. There she was. Finally, you know, ended up finding out where she was coming in at and all these good things. But the balance is so damn important. And especially like this with things that I'm not comfortable with. Like, let's say that there's something... I don't know. What would you trade to live more in harmony with nature? What's one thing you would trade to live more in harmony with nature? Just an example that you can think of top of your head. I don't know. My other thumb. Aw. <laughs> that's easily the sweetest goddamn thing I've ever heard in my life. That's the only fucking one you got. And they're, they're, we're, we live in a world where they're necessary. Jesus Christ. Oh, that's But so are they? Sweet. I'm doing just fine with one. No, you, I know. That's what I'm saying. But now you're going to gank off the other one. And so. But you said they're necessary. They're not necessary. Okay. That's, that's fair. I mean, and that's what, what I mean is it's in a world set up the, to where they're necessary. Um, I'd be in balance. You know, that's very sweet, though. Uh, that's very, yeah, it'd be in balance. Um, I like, though, how you're aerodynamic on that side, though. Did that give you any speed advantages around corners, you know, running track? Because you're running to the left inside. So I would think that that'd give you a little bit of a handling ability on the inside no, cross. No, with my heart issues, I didn't run. And when I try and swim, I can only swim backstroke one armed in a circle. So. You know what it is. The athletic community in the world was not ready for you. And so what, what the universe did was they governed your heart so as that you wouldn't go out there and crush those motherfuckers That's because of was. your additional aer- aer- aerodynamic abilities. That's exactly what it was. So, I mean, there, you know, and that's the thing, right? If there, if there are things about this place that you would trade, then is it an issue with this place or is it an issue with you and the way you see it? What is your answer to that? Say it one more time. So if there's things about this place that you would trade, that you would change, you know, and obliterate completely, is there a lack of awareness on your part or are there really things that need to be different here? So yes, to my answer is yes. Because, okay. so here's an example. I would love to have chickens in my backyard, but we rent. So there's an awareness of how I know the chicken poop would be good for my garden and how you know, we could use for the eggs and um, they could eat the bugs and the ticks. And I'm, I have the awareness of that. But I, at this current time, because we rent, I can't change that. So my answer is yes, because it's both. It depends on the situation. Awesome example. Absolutely awesome example. Okay. Uh, I'm very curious uh, about coming back to aliens with you. So if this is just a goddamn, uh, it's all you anyway, do you think that there are like lineages of you that you have access to? You just think it's a damn free for all for everyone. Like a specific group of aliens is you, like you're there, you on this planet. Now, this is what like blows my mind about this idea, by the way, is to think about like that we are some sort of gently the one and that we are existing in all of these different places, but perhaps we're also energetically expressed on every planet as a different entity here in this place now. So you could say that there's an energetic expression of you everywhere, which would mean there's an energetic expression of every single person on Earth that's not an NPC, I may caveat that, that are located on other planets everywhere, and they're all energetic expressions of you. And that this is just a massive interdimensional, amazing game with a fuckload of yous out there 
one is wearing a Lyran suit, one is wearing an Ellie suit, one is wearing a Pleiadian suit, right? And so there's different yous, but for the greater good or whatever, you've all consented to have access to each other at whatever level of technology one might acquire. So perhaps there is a version of you that's tapping into you because it's you and it's necessary. And maybe they plant seeds in you cognitively that make you, that allow you to make decisions and guide your path in this life, like in, on this planet. And then you would say, okay, well then why don't I remember it? Well then, you know, because of your role here, if you remembered it, it would fuck things up. You know, you'd be too deliberate, you know, you'd screw, you'd, you'd blab about it kind of a thing. But so, be, so you don't, you, you have the direction because it was implanted in you by you as a Pleiadian coming over to pick your ass up to implant that shit. Like, this blows my fucking mind. I haven't stopped thinking about this since you and I talked about it, by the way. So it's it's that, but then it also becomes... So, yes, I agree with what you said. But then at what point do I stop being me and I become you? Because then if we're all connected... Because then what are the Akashic records? If I try to access the Akashic records and let's say that's all the information in the no, in, in the universe and all the experiences in the universe, are the Akashic records then only all the versions of me? If I access the Akashic records, so are my Akashic records different than your Akashic records? Or is the Akashic records everyone's experiences because we're all the same? So then at that point, there is no versions of me or versions of you because we are all one. I think to answer your question directly, at the point at which it no longer serves a function of experience is where we become one. Okay, okay. So maybe there's many levels of, air quotes, division, you know, different levels of entities that you and I alone are interacting on, on many different higher dimensional realities. What I like to think about actually <clears throat> is this idea that maybe like in every single version of us in the multiverse or whatever, that there are different versions of us across infinity. They're all sitting down to have a conversation with one another, like the entity and all of those that it identifies as Ellie, the entity yeah. and all of those that it identifies as Brandon. And we're sitting down in all of them having this communication. Now, I think that when I come to an awareness, we all come to an awareness. I've got this very interconnected with all of my pieces thing going on lately. And what happened recently, and it's funny you said Akashic, up on the Expansive Insiders, guys, if you want to sign up, the link is in the show description. It's a great way to support and thank everybody for doing that. Uh, I got uh, Rachel Horton White joined me for an amazing conversation. She actually dove into my Akashic readings and we started doing, uh, I had an ancestor that visited me. We went into a past life that I cried like a little baby about. Uh, and then, but because of that past life, I was able to look at things differently and I'll, I'll come back to that. And then I asked a bunch of questions and it was just awesome. So Rachel, uh, thank you again for doing that, but you guys check the show notes for that. It was, uh, just, it was amazing. It was very emotional, but it was amazing. One of the things that we came to in that, that, uh, I want to ask you about is that there was a past life that she tapped into of mine where I was like homeless on the street and I was living with animals and it was the saddest fucking, I'm like crying my eyes out. I'm like, it's where I get my heart for animals is where I feel about this. And now I have like this sense of connected to, to that entity or to that version of me, because I feel like I get it. Whenever I talked to Rachel, it really spanned out and it, it zoomed me out to the levels I needed to be at. 
which was this idea that like I was a painter in this life, which is why I'm artistic side now. I was a philosopher in this one, which is where I get my ability to see multiple viewpoints as correct or not wrong, right? Uh, all of these different skill sets and all of them I use in this life, right? One of them, though, was this, uh, this soul that lived on the streets, refused to abandon these, abandon the animals, and, you know, ended up dying poor and alone and shit and all these animals. Ugh. So anyway, I kind of had this feeling, though, that now um, I what I did with this, and this was just my kind of proactive response to this, was is I kind of said, okay, every single version of me that's out there. Like I meditated on this after we got off. I said, okay, every version of me, we're all sending this motherfucker all the love. If you've got an alien in the neighborhood, go pick his ass up, go influence the local mayor to give everyone to give him money and to start his own, give him a shitload of land and his own animal rescue foundation and whatever the fuck he needs. And I did this for like a week and I did like these check-ins with all these versions of myself and I could feel like this Lyran and I have never felt this before. You know, I'm not one of the, I don't, identify as one of these people that does this you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. but i really felt it but it was because of this intention to f help this version of us that was i felt you know um a strong connection with in my heart you know and i felt like the weight of this world was really connected to that life the weights of this world that i experienced were connected to that life so we healed the shit out of it. I like had this release and this feeling and man, I got, I had to walk into my higher self, finally go, okay, cool. Now those versions of you are healed. Let's go. We're all upgrading together. So it's like when I come to an awareness, we all come to an awareness. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is what intuition and shit are. I know that was a long yeah. stream of all kinds of shit, but I've been waiting to talk to you about this and I get excited. So please, what do you, what do you think about all that? No. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And it's, like your Jet Li, the one, but in a different way. Yeah, in the positive way. Instead in of the killing positive them, we're building way. them up. Yeah. So I've never had an official past life regression um, or reading or Kashik reading or anything like that. But I remember that we, my husband and I went to a uh, local state park and it was called Gillette Castle in Connecticut. And we had went there and... We had sat on this portion of the trail and there was a um it, like the trail like went around this large wooded area and you kind of like looked down into it like it was a ravine and i was like we just need to sit here and it was like we went into this little time bubble and everything went quiet no one was bugging us we actually fell asleep on the trail in the middle of the day him and i and there, like you hear birds and that was it. The, the people didn't bug us. Like it was like we got insulated in this little time bubble. And I had this very like, I've been here before. I saw like I was the shaman of the village and I could like point out certain areas in this ravine. Um, and the, you know, the white man or whatever European, whoever had come in and massacred all these women and children. I was the last one standing, you know, they wanted me to watch it. And I was the last one to die. I had these little kids, these bodies piled up around me. I could see it. And so part of me being there was to heal it. And at the time there was, it was like spring. So you, I couldn't get down in there. We went a few months later and I was like, I know the way in. My husband's like, what do you mean? I was like, I know a way in. He's like, okay. 
<laughs> okay. Your husband's awesome, by the way. Tell him I said hi. And uh, I was like, but you have, I have to go first. I have to tell him that you're okay. And I'm saying all this stuff. And he's just like, all right, like, let's go. And I was like, I got to a point. I was like, okay, wait, hang on. You have to stay here. I have to go up. Like, I was going under branches and shit and vines. And, um, but there'd be times like, I was like, you have to wait. Like, it's not, you can't come follow me yet. And he'd be like, okay. And they say, okay, come on. And I was me, but not me. And so then we found this little secluded area and we could see every, like, if you're walking on the trail, people, we could see the people, but they couldn't see us where we were at. Once again, we laid down and we just basically meditated, fell asleep in this weird lucid dream state. And then I was like, okay, everything's better now. We can go. And he's like, okay. <laughs> I drug him all the way out there and we did this. And then ever since then, I was like, yeah, well, that makes so much more sense. Why, you know, you hand me a crystal and I can tell what it needs or like what you need for it. Um, people say crystals, you know, they do certain crystals for certain things, right? Um, essential oils. I do the same thing of, I didn't research any of this. I didn't know. It's like, I have this knowing, but I can't tell you it's because I read it in a book. It's a knowing in my here. It's a knowing in my gut and my intuition. And I just know. And I'm I'm doing that with herbs now too, where I'm just like, yeah, I just need this, this, and this. And then I go back later and look it up and I'm like, huh, that makes total sense why I needed that. And I truly believe that it's from this, my past life as a Native American shaman. Dude, I'm going to hook you up with Rachel. You've got to have her on your show anyway, but I've already got it noted here. The email will be sent uh, before you go to sleep tonight. So I'm uh, absolutely fascinated by this because the more you look into like past life, uh, anything, then it gets so interesting when you look back because the list of, like I said, interests and professions and things that I had in these other lives she was tapping into was fascinating. I even got visited from an ancestor and what I, who I think it was, was my real dad's father, uh, who okay. I, you know, have like five, four memories of my real dad. He left, he bailed when I was two. So I've never met him or whatever, you know, uh, and then his dad, well, that whole side of the family had horrible alcoholism. And it's something that my brother, who is also from that man carries on, you know, with him. And I did for over 20 years. I drank every single day, every single day. And, uh, it'll be two years. And I think May or June, I didn't even memorialize it. Uh, it'll be two years in either May or June of this year that I haven't touched it. I haven't wanted, I mean, I am so fucking over it. It used to be such a part of me, but a walk-in came in and just said, Nope, we're not doing this. The more I think about this idea of other versions of you literally occupying the vessel that you are now, rather than you waiting for time to catch up for you to become that. It's it's this thing that just blows my fucking mind to a new level. Like the, the I know the name of the show, I get it, but man, it's like now I'm now I'm really thinking of this about calling in your higher self and meditating and connecting with your guides. But really, it's about raising you vibrationally so that they can tag in Hulk Hogan style and jump into your body where it's at. Not only make it healthier because your food tastes change, right? Like I said, I've been healthier than ever. I've been just working out and just doing shit that I never wanted to do before. But my tastes changed. Like I, I walked in, something fucking walked in. But I think that uh, having sort of an awareness or at least sort of a perceptive awareness, because it, it could have 
it could be viewed as like the contact phenomenon itself. Because I mean, who the fuck knows? Like there are plenty of people out there who can say it's all bullshit and that's fine. But what it did for me was it did what a near-death experience or a contact experience or even a psychedelic experience would do for anyone. It rang the bell of, hey, this is something you need to pay attention to. And whenever I got that, I was very actionable because I don't sit on this shit. I'm like, all right, Thought Ninja, where you at? Let's go, bro. Uh, Rally the troops, all versions of me. Let's go. And all of us feel this way, which I've got the coolest soul, whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, because we all stepped into action. We all sent this dude everything. Things physically, we changed that planet, wherever that dude's at. And we could feel it. Did you do you like do you have a version of this homeless guy that was you? Like, does he look like you? I know. I think so. And and that's the thing too, right? Is it a, like a templates thing to where like a Keanu Reeves or something like that to where that you can find photos for the 1700s of like Greta Thunberg and um, yeah. Putin and shit like that. I don't know. I don't have a visual connection to this dude, but apparently um, loved animals, which I totally get, would not go, uh, not, not live on the streets because of it, which I totally get. He ended up catching mange, which means sacrificed his greater good and health to save animals, which I totally get. Uh, and so all of these things, um, and against his better health, he stayed with these creatures. I get this. And so what I kind of, and how I look at it now also is like, you know, through that whole process. And like I said, I mean, this, this was really hard on me. Like it, it hit me like a, like something I remember, not like something sad I was hearing. You know what I mean? Yes. That's what it was. I felt that shit. Um, and it was it was fucking rough, man. I mean, it it was really really rough. But but what it did was is that it showed me uh, I have a greater capacity to serve for everything, uh, animals included. And there's a lot of amazing things uh, coming when when the time is right for that for that specifically. That that why I'm here. Another thing is I kind of you know view the animals that we have now as animals that I had then that are reincarnated as animals that I can give a better life that I promised in that life a better one too now. And we do that, man. I've got dog beds everywhere into the studio. Those dogs fucking get, we, I buy extra steaks for them whenever I cook steaks. Like, I mean, uh, I've had several people comment, uh, even our, down to our donkeys and chickens. They say, dude, when I die, I want to come back as one of your animals. Like, I don't care what it is, just a, something you take care of. I don't give a fuck. And that I think is from that life. I really do. And, um, Oh, it was rough. But anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely connect you with Rachel because you two are just kindred spirits anyway. And y'all live like down the street from each other. Oh, really? Yeah. She's right up so, there by you. So here's a question for you. I had a dream that maybe it was a parallel, but it almost felt like a premonition, a future version of me that uh, hadn't happened yet. So... How, how would you, if you had one of these dreams, how would you know or be able to distinguish if it was a premonition or a parallel universe? Um, I don't necessarily look at premonitions as inevitabilities. I look at them as signposts for options if certain conditions exist, right? And so I think that there's okay. an actionable component to uh, predictions. I, I really do. So okay. I know that it's it's one of those things like, uh, oh, you say that you're going to die from falling off a ladder or die by a ladder. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you avoid ladders for the rest of your life. And then one day you're walking down the street and a ladder falls from a building and kills you. Right. Yep. So it's one of those uh, things to where you're just mindful of it. And so it may fuck up the experience. Um, what? 
What are your thoughts? So the reason I'm asking is because you're like, when you're talking about, it wasn't a story. It was a memory that you had about this guy. Yeah. So I had this dream and it was, I woke up sobbing and I probably cried for an hour and a half after I woke up and it felt real. It felt like I was remembering, Yeah. but it was an event that hadn't happened yet or hadn't happened on this timeline or what if, however you want. What if it was happening in a different version of you and you were experiencing that because you experience all versions of you, you just happened to be asleep when the experience of you that when the version of you that experienced it was awake to experience it. But it, you experienced it as okay. a dream because you weren't physically awake. So, okay. So I'm going to explain the dream because that would make, that would make a lot of sense. So I had a dream that I gave birth in my living room and I was holding this baby boy and I could smell him. I could feel him. He was holding in my arms, like very vividly. I could, I won't, but I could describe the scene of me giving birth in my living room. So when I woke up because the alarm clock went off, I was, I missed him. I missed this baby and I'm sobbing because I don't have this baby, but it's not just a baby it's this baby that from my dream and i was and my husband's like i don't even know what to, like i don't know how to help you yeah and i'm like but i miss him and i'm just like on the living or on the kitchen floor sobbing for this baby like i need him i need him back like i lost something but it that would make sense if i was there and i was experiencing it right and then i came back i wouldn't be missing it yeah, because it's almost like how I view dreams, and I mean, I, I just talk shit here, but how I kind of view dreams is that, you know, when you go to sleep, when this physical body goes to sleep, your astral body or super you body, whatever, does it, the thing that animates this thing doesn't need yeah. to sleep. And so, yeah, you know, it's almost like it's it's break away from us. It's like, woo, oh, clocked out from Earth. Oh, my God, that dude is crazy. You know, I mean. Uh, whatever, but it's it's like it, it's a break for them as well. And so it, it feels like perhaps what you do then is, you know, once in that world while we're sleeping, you know, time doesn't go by in eight hour increments, you know, you can do whatever the fuck, right? And this is why your dreams, you could be a cat person over here and you could be Darkwing Duck over there. Or, you know, you can embody this uh, person that gave birth on a floor that had a relationship with this child that then felt grief for it whenever you return back to the timeline that you agreed this version of you would hang out in for a little while. You know, I've heard about this with people with psychedelic experiences. Um, also, uh, what's another version of this? People would do this uh, while astral traveling as well. They'll, they'll sort of astral travel to another family. And it's really interesting. It's almost like a Sims game version of escaping. Not, I don't want to use the word escape. Of visiting another place uh, where there's a whole storyline going that you're very invested in. So it's sort of like probably this life is for the dream version of you that inhabits this. It's a game that it goes to to escape some other thing. But maybe there's another thing that escapes that to go to something else that's creating that. You know, and who knows, Matryoshka doll up the, up the fractal scale there, what it looks like and how far it goes. But the whole thing to me is absolutely fascinating because then these people will say, oh, well, I went and lived 30 years. And then when I came back in 15 minutes of meditation, I came back uh, or after my psychedelic experience, I returned to baseline. And then I woke up and I was like, where's my husband? Where's my kids? And I freaked the fuck out. So the freak out wasn't from the drug or the experience. It was from coming back, having the experience because the experience was so dope and awesome. You yeah. hear this with, again, near-death experiences, you know? Now, let me ask you that. Did, did, do you have a near-death experience? So 
I've died once as an infant because they have to stop my heart to perform an open heart surgery. So at seven months old, I was technically dead. And then when I was hit by the car as a pedestrian in 2014, so I was 23, 22 at the time, um, I did, but I didn't see the white light. I didn't have any of those uh experiences that a lot of people talk about um time was definitely from the time it happened to the time that my parents got there because they lived in another state it was like probably eight ten hours but for the time i was hit to the time i remember seeing my parents was felt like maybe an hour and a half so the time was definitely off but i didn't have any of this white light or whatever. I definitely think there was some type of divine intervention or my higher self or ancestor angels or insert term here because so I the left side of my body wrapped around the front of this Ford Escape oh. and I'm 5 foot 4. So my left temple and the left side of my head hit the hood of this car. The only reason the back of my head never hit the concrete is because I was wearing a backpack that was just thick enough that when my head went all the way back, my head wouldn't have touched the concrete. You had like an extra couple magazines in there or something? I don't even remember. Wow. I, I, I don't remember. Um, I remember it was this weird five-way intersection. And when I could cross, people could also turn left. Why? I don't fucking know. Pennsylvania is a shitty ass state for so many reasons. Anyway, so I was walking and a lady turned left in front of me. And I remember looking over my right shoulder being like, really, you couldn't fucking wait? Well, somehow this a second car that I never saw, that's what followed her. And that's who hit me. And so I was in the middle of a that second lane and I flew all the way back to the sidewalk. Jesus. But I, I remember looking over my shoulder. Then I remember getting up from the sidewalk. And then this guy who hit me. Getting up? Like you stood up after you got I, hit? I tried to. I oh, realized okay. I was in the street. You know, there's adrenaline. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm like, I need to get out of the street. I'm going to get hit by a car. Not right. realizing I had just been hit by a car. Right. And the guy who hit me um, comes, lifts me up under my armpits, has me almost vertical going, get up, walk, you okay, you okay, in broken English. I remember seeing a guy in fatigues running towards me and him, screaming his head off, put her down, put her down. Then people, like someone's holding my head, so no one took my backpack off. So now I'm laying on the cement in the road, blocking all sorts of traffic from five ways, and someone's holding my head or someone to put a jacket because otherwise, you know, my head would have been back and i just remember my left leg being in this very awkward position the emts got there and i have a lot of uh, allergies to medications and so they're like well we're gonna give you pain meds and i was like the fuck you are i need to talk to the doctor i can go into anaphylactic shock i don't trust you i'm not taking anything until i talk to the doctor at the hospital and they're like okay like 
you're a weirdo, God, but, but... Well, but think about that. How many times did people roll up like that? And they're just humans too. We don't know what they were just watching on social media, what kind of fight they just had with their partner. And they roll up and maybe you were unconscious and they decided to stick you with something like that. I mean, you know, who knows? Do you wear something on you that says this? No, because it's stuff... Um... It's not stuff that you would normally give. It's okay. stuff like morphine and antibiotic. Like it's not stuff you'd normally get. Gotcha. Um, but one of them was that I have an anaphylactic response to is MRI contrast dye. That sucked to figure out. Anyway, so I remember being in the ambulance and somehow, even though I was holding my phone, I wasn't looking at it, I was just holding it in my hand when I was hit. The screen wasn't shattered, nothing was broken, and I was able to call my mom after a bystander had been explaining to her what happened. So I remember I'm in the back of this ambulance. I give my full medical history, uh, which obviously to an EMT is going to be much longer than my initial story to you. So I'm rattling all this stuff off. I remember calling my mom and I'm going, my hip really hurts. I think I broke my hip. Oh, look, we're at the hospital. Gotta go. Love you. Bye. Click in that tone, in that way, just, but I was in shock. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was like, I needed to talk to the doctor. And then as soon as I talked to the doctor, um, apparently I just started screaming from all the pain because that's when it hit me. But then none of the pain medications worked because of all the pain meds I received as a child that the nurse, because I'm in a C collar, actually looks over the top of me and goes, I don't know how you're still conscious and screaming, but you really need to stop. The best I can give you again is Tylenol or you're going to OD. Ooh. It sucked. And then I'm arguing with them because they're like, we need to put contrast dye to make sure because my pelvis was broken to make sure it didn't puncture your bladder. And I was like, no, I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock. And they're like, it's different. And I was like, I don't believe you. Yeah. And they're like, we have to do this. I was like, I don't consent. I don't believe you. You're not doing this. And they probably argued with me for a good 10 minutes before I was, because I was like, if I go into anaphylactic shock, I'm going to sue you. They're like, you're not going to, it's different. I was like, I will sue you. They said, okay. And for a doctor to go, okay, after I make that statement, I let him do it. It was different. I didn't go into anaphylactic shock then. Uh, okay. But okay. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Well, I know you know this, but there's a gift in everything. So I will ask you, what was the gift that you were given with that, that entire ordeal? My husband. So because, so I was hit by a car in May of 2014, had to go back home to Michigan, um, where I met my ex-husband. My ex-husband moved me to Connecticut in I did mid 2016. I got divorced or I filed for divorce in September of 2019. And I met my husband, my now husband, Mike in August of 2019. So had I not been hit by the car, I never would have met my ex-husband who moved me to, to Connecticut to meet my now husband. Would you have traded it? <sighs> Looking back now, no. However, the pain, the learning to walk. Um, I had a traumatic brain injury. I couldn't read anything. I thought my schooling was over. I uh, thought my dreams were over. It was really hard. Depression, anxiety, PTSD, the works. Like, it was really fucking hard. 
Um, a lot of self-reflection took me years, um, but I wouldn't change it because I learned so much from it. I'm still learning stuff from it. I'm still learning. It, it was traumatic and it was awful, but I wouldn't be who I am if that hadn't happened. I wouldn't be who I am if I had two thumbs. I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't been raped. I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't had 17 surgeries. I wouldn't be who I am if my ex-husband wasn't a controlling asshole who was abusive. Like I learned so many things. Not saying those things didn't suck because they freaking did. But you can either choose to mope in them and that's where you forever stay or you can choose to grow from them. You put cow manure on flowers and things like that and they grow beautifully. Like you literally got to go through shit to be pretty. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> beautifully said, darling. I love that. You know, it's a psychedelic experience in itself. It is uh, an altered state in itself. Being able to, um, I guess on some level, put yourself in that position. And I know <clears throat> on the other side of whatever, we're all daring each other to go to earth. And we're like, fine, if you go with me, I'll go. And then we come here and we're just like, hang on, you signed up for what? What the fuck are you doing? And But it seems like that anyone that that I find absolutely incredible has been through some shit. And yeah. it's it's its own altered state. So I would add to the list of things that you know were pointed out there that it's, yes, I would say altered states, but also traumatic, like serious altered state-like traumatic events, um, serious trauma, serious programming indoctrination that you then broke out of. And it was a, it was a butterfly cocoon moment, you know? <sighs> I mean, you're just such a breath of fresh air. This is incredible. We're going to probably uh, go ahead and wrap it up here. I just wanted to ask you, uh, so what gives you hope? Like what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What gets you uh, moving and what keeps you plugging away at this thing? Right now it's a, uh, it, it's my business. It's um, the plans that I have with my husband and a friend to teach people how to empower them to take care of themselves and revolutionize wellness care not just healthcare. We don't want repeat patients. Um, lots of things that we're really, really excited about and being able to chat with people like you because of my podcast, uh, that has opened my eyes to a lot of different things and, you know, obviously my family and yeah, those, I mean, that's what gets me out of bed is, you know, I went into science to help people and I left science to help people. And it's what it really boils down to is helping people, whether it's strangers or my family or, friends or the earth like it's it's helping people that's what gets me out of bed one thumbnail you all the ways to find you're going to be located in the show notes guys check the link tree down there also go check out her etsy you do the essential oil rollers and they have the crystals and stuff we're going to get a couple of those from you so all the ways to find you of course located down in the show notes i cannot thank you enough there's a million more conversations you and i are going to have and i cannot wait for every single one of them you're just truly remarkable you're a treasure to this place and i'm just so grateful for you in my life darling thank you i am thank you i'm thankful i heard that episode and I decided to have that trippy thought that sparked this entire conversation and thank you that for just having me and that this worked out and worked out how, how it was meant to. Every time. It always does. And uh, you have an open invite. So thanks again, doll. Thank you. 
you want to take a moment and thank that incredibly amazing woman for that incredibly cool conversation. One Thumb L, Speed Bumps Podcast, all the other ways to find her are located down in the show notes. Make sure that you guys check that thing out. Also, she is joining us for an expansive Insiders Gathering of the Goddesses panel show that we're doing for the X panel series over there. If you guys go sign up for that, located down in the show notes right next to all the ways to find L. While you guys are down there as well, check out expandingrealitypodcast.com. That is where the Expansive Insider is located. That's our mothership. That's where it's all happening, and it's all changing up. So go create a free login over there. You're feeling antsy and you're like, oh man, I really want to support this and get access to all that cool bonus shit you're talking about. Well, boom, pow, it's over there on the website as well and sign up to become an expansive insider. That's how you do it. All right. So while you guys are down there as well, might as well check out our resource links. We put them down there because they benefit you guys in every way imaginable. So first up, we have Food Forest Abundance. Get your freedom from fear on. Also, Opus, the organization for paranormal understanding as well as support. Also, if you would like to start your own podcast, give yourself a voice. We partnered with Red Circle. That's who we are hosting through, and that link is down there. As well, if you really want to step your game up, the Manifestor's Guide, Dewey Taylor's Jam. He sweetens the deal if you, at checkout, type expanding reality, all caps, no spaces. Even sweeter deal on top of all of that awesomeness. All right, guys, so go out into this incredibly amazing and mysterious place, whatever the hell you guys are doing this week, and pick up a piece of litter. Be nice to everybody that you come across. Of course, smile at everyone. You know, pleasantries is not dead, guys. Just bring it back if you feel that it is, because it's not. I Also, you know, buy somebody in line around you a coffee or a meal. Something super, super small goes a massive way in changing someone's day. And the way you feel having done something like that is way more than any gift you could ever give anyone, which is amazing. It's sort of like a double gift, uh, one big one for yourself for being such a dope, amazing person. So while all of that is transpiring, guys, uh, as you are out there traversing this beautiful land in our interstate highway system, please remember that if there is someone behind you and you find yourself in the left-hand lane that is wanting to go a little bit quicker than you are, just scoot on over, guys. They'll be right by in no time. Then you can go back to living your life however you want. But above all and anything else, go out into this incredibly amazing and mysterious place, whatever the hell this thing is, and y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for watching, for listening, for engaging, for making a difference in your community and changing your energy and healing all that ancestor bullshit and just crushing it at life in general, guys. You're, you're doing way better than you think, and I love the shit out of all of you. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time.